Hey there, welcome to another episode of This Is My Story. I'm your host, Kevin. Today, I have an amazing guest. is a friend of mine. His name is Daryl Strawberry, world champion, baseball player. I'm so excited to have him on this episode because I know that the work that God has done in his life is valuable and important. I think that we can all grab something from it and see the good work of the Lord in our lives and find purpose and meaning in exactly where we are and what we're doing and who we are. So before we jump in, let me just thank our sponsors, Word of Life Bible Camp and Institute. We love you guys. If you're looking for any sort of Bible education or want to send your kids to a camp, I would encourage you to look at the link below, wool.org. And then Christian Healthcare Ministries, an alternative healthcare provider. If you are struggling right now with some sort of healthcare, uh, looking to find something that's affordable, well, Christian Healthcare Ministries is a biblical solution for you in that way. So look, look in the link below. I hope you'll check that out. Become a member today. My wife and I have saved thousands of dollars and it's an amazing organization, amazing way to go about taking care of your life, your family's life and their health by choosing Christian healthcare ministry. So without any further ado, welcome my good friend, Dale Strawberry to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. Thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on your show. Yeah, man, I'm excited about our conversation. So thanks for doing this. You know, I grew up watching you play baseball, winning multiple world championship series, uh, getting inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame. You know, from a distance, I also watched your life off the field. And it's a pleasure of mine today to be able to talk to you about the life change that has happened in you. We're going to talk about baseball, but more importantly, man, we're going to talk about life because your life has been changed. My life has been changed. And the center point of who we are is that the creator of the world is our God and that Jesus has changed our lives. Most certainly, I've seen God do amazing things in your life, and I'm excited to dive in that with you. Well, I think that's the most important thing. When we step out and we start talking about a life-changing story, we talk about the story of who Christ is, because uh, there's no story if Christ is not in your life. Yo, let's go. <laughs> Christ is the one that changes the life, you know, and, and let's always remember that. Um, yes, we are. We become a vessel for him, and We'd be able to share the hope that uh, God could bring to somebody else or reach somebody else right where they at. I think so many people think they're so far away, just like I thought I was so far away from God. And you're never too far away from God. You know, his hands are bigger than anything that you could ever imagine. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he knows who you are. Bro, you're preaching already. I love it. <laughs> We're five <laughs> minutes in. Dude, love it, man. Man, well, I'd love to dive in and just ask you a question about your story. I mean, I know it's centered around baseball, a lot of it, but on this, on this podcast, it's our focus to see the Lord, see God's work in our lives and how we end up finding our path towards him. Start with your story kind of from the very beginning as a child, because I know so much of our story really starts from an early age. Even as we don't know the Lord, he uses these things in our past, uh, sometimes the broken pieces to help us see that God is good, to see that he's faithful, and especially to see him as a heavenly father. When so many, so many of us, so many people around the world uh, have a fatherless upbringing. And that can create so many wounds and, and uh, plays into how we view God and how we view ourselves in the world. So I'd like to know, maybe let's start there, just your childhood. Uh, what was it like and how did that have an impact on your life? Well, I'm glad you started there, Kevin, because I think most of the time people just look at um, the results of who you become and what you do and then what happened. You know, why did these things happen to you? You had so much going on for yourself, but I was wounded before I even put the uniform on. My father was a raging alcoholic, came home for the last time, you know, uh, pulled out a shotgun when I was 14 years old and said he was going to kill the whole family. Um, me and my brothers went into action. Had it not been for my mother getting us out of the house, we would have killed him that night. And, wow. you know, after all, after all the beatings and all the things that I, we went through with him, uh, just an abusive father, you know, and always coming home drunk and always had something crazy to say. And, you know, we were just at that age and my older brother just said, why don't you just get out of here and leave us alone? And he's, he said, he'll kill the whole family. So he had pulled out a shotgun. We didn't know that there were no shells in him because my mother had removed the shells because she thought, well, he was that crazy. He probably wouldn't end up hurting my kids. But I can tell you, if it had not been for my mother, we would have killed him. And the look in her eyes was like, get out of the house. And we knew she wasn't playing. And, and I think she realized from there that he could no longer come back into the house because now you have put my boys in a position where they have started to respond in such a different way. And they were responding tonight like, we're going to end this. So it could have been a tragedy in my life before I ever put the uniform on. I tell people that. 
Now, no, were you already in? Uh, were you already in baseball? Was sports kind of that escape goat for that pain that you were going through at home? Because I know that's what a lot of us do. We'll have these kind of escape goats where we just hide from the pain. I was always playing sports because my father was such, you know, there was such craziness always around him. So we were always out out of the house playing sports and away from the house. And you know, he never came to see me play or knew anything about me. So, and I was young and. You know, I, but I knew in my heart that I wanted to play because I love baseball because I used to watch the Dodgers. I grew up in L.A., so I used to watch the Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds, and and I used to see Pete Rose. Pete Rose was my idol because he he, he was Charlie Hustle, and his uniform was dirty all the time, and, and that's what a baseball player is supposed to look like with a dirty uniform. And, you know, I used to say, that's I love this guy here, you know. So, um, um, so we went through the process of, not having a father around and it kind of left us just really empty to, you know, choose outside things, choose whatever was best for you. And, you know, my other brother, Ronnie went in a different direction. He went into like gangs and drugs and street crime and stuff like that. And I went into sports and my other brother, Michael went into sports. So, you know, he was gone. And, and after he was gone, that was it. You know, I, I realized from there that no one would ever control me again. And I always said that my pain led me to my greatness but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior, you know, because pain is real. And I think people don't recognize when you're hurting, you're broken on the inside. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, but the inside is really what counts. And that part of who I was was so broken and, and dysfunction. And, and I would carry that, you know, going into playing professional sports and, you know, through high school, professional sports, the pain was still there. It had never left because you can't relieve yourself from the pain. The pain is so deep and so real. All you can do is put a uniform on and guess what the uniform does? It covers it up. It covers yeah. the pain up. Hey, but doesn't it doesn't sound, take it away. Doesn't it sound a little familiar to the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve found their shame and their guilt? So they hid in the garden, covered themselves with fig leaves. No question. It sounds just like that. When you read that, you think, well, wow, that's me. You know, and that's just, that's all of us. You know, all yeah. of us have this great shame that we go through and we cover ourselves and we don't know how to, uh, get rid of it because you can't, you can't get rid of it yourself. You know, the only way it's going to uh, be removed is the healing power of Christ that has to come in and heal you, you know, because we all, Kevin, you think about it. We all have some broken pieces in our life and there's only one person that can really change the broken pieces of who we are. And that's Christ himself. So, you know, I went through all this guilt, shame and being successful, being, you know, great at, Daryl Strawberry, you know, just like watching the football games last night, you know, and, and thinking, you know, I've been in that role before. I've been in that position before. And I understand what that's like. And, you know, to be able, I've been on the losing side and I've been on the winning side. So I know each side. And I was thinking, you know, man, that, I remember that feeling and what it felt like, you know, to be able to be at the top of that. But what happens when you're at the top of that, when all that's over with and done? Because that one day that all that comes to an end, and I think people don't realize that the end comes, then who are you? That's the oh, question you have who to ask are you? yourself. And yes, that's Man, the question I, I had to ask myself. Yeah, and that role of the father is so important in a child's life because they're there to teach them uh, what's right and what's wrong. But God's actually given the father to even teach the, the boy how to become a man and how to follow after God. So when you take that man out of a child's life, there leaves this empty wound, this empty space in that child's life that... You know, God is the father, the heavenly father. That's why his word says that he adopts us as children. We become his children. That's why Jesus cried out, Abba, Abba, father. You know, without having an earthly father, there's an emptiness there. And I'd love to talk about that emptiness because as you remove the father from a home, figuratively or, or actually literally, because you can have a father that's at home, but actually not be present in your life or have a negative impact while they're at home. And that to me is still an absent father. And so I think it's just importance of that father figure. And it's really to what degree does a young man or a child uh, walk away from God and pursue a different path as they are missing the components of that good father? Yeah, you make a good point there. Uh, it's a very unique situation. And, and I think uh, a lot of us grow up with that, the emptiness of our father's womb. And like you said, you hid, you know, you, we do hide, we hide from ourselves. We hide from the understanding of uh, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? You know, and I think we, 
fall into everything else to make us feel better. Because every every boy in his heart searches for the fact that you know his dad is going to be there for him to lead him, guide him, encourage him. And if your dad is not there, then what do you do? You gravitate towards everything else outside of outside of what's what's really real. You know the reality of being a man growing up, and you don't know how to grow up because yes, mothers are going to be there, moms are always going to be there my mom was incredible but you'd be like a boy you'd be like mom you don't understand i love you and i know you're right you know and i shouldn't do these things but where is where is my dad to help me correct me in some of the things that i do the mistakes that i'm going to make i didn't have that it is to what degree you know and and, and when you don't have a father figure in your life it, it's an empty void on the inside of you and like I said, you search for everything else. You search for women, you search for alcohol, you search for porn, search for drugs, you search for this, search for that to fix me, to complete me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, none of it will com complete you. I mean, I tried everything. I tried it all. I mean, I had the riches, lived behind the community gates and, you know, had it all, but I had nothing. I tell people all the time, I just accumulated a bunch of stuff. It still didn't make me well on the inside. And I think that's what every... Um, man search for it he searched for it. every man searches the fact to be well on the inside not what i look like on the outside you can take all that but if i'm not well on the inside i'll just keep going and buying more stuff to try yeah. to make me well and every guy will try that i don't care who you are from what level you at at every level of life we will try to fill that empty void on the inside of us with stuff to complete us and i i tried it for so long and it never came to the point of making me well no. It, it just it was just driving me further and further and deeper and deeper into the darkness of life you know chasing after it all what does it mean like you know in the book uh, king solomon talks about it here is a man that accumulates everything and wealth and you know the wisest richest man in the land of, of jerusalem and he goes on to say is meaningless under the sun without god he's telling you i had it all but at the end of the day it doesn't mean nothing if I don't have God as the centerpiece of my life. Yeah, man. I mean, think about how Solomon wraps it up in the book of Ecclesiastes, right? He kind of comes to this point where he has it all. He has wisdom and knowledge and, and money and wealth. And, and he kind of says, well, I found this three things, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, is it really that easy? I don't know. <laughs> well, he's telling us, you know, when people, you know, people dive into the book, you know, of Ecclesiastes and read it and understand, you know, here it is, the guy's wise as ever you know that that that's had it all will have more than probably any man that comes to the earth accumulate you know from a standpoint of having stuff and he's telling us what it, what it really means it's it means nothing you know and at the end of the day he was like he said you're gonna die another man's gonna come along and he's gonna have what you have that he doesn't deserve it but he's gonna have it because you built it and left it here yeah. So his plight or his struggle is going to be the same as yours or the same as all of ours. You know, he's going to struggle to find in, in those things and in those possessions as it gets passed down to him, his own identity. And just like all of us, as we seek to find all of our identity in something that's not eternal and will miss the God of eternity. Right. So as we transition, uh, I'd like to think about baseball for a second, you know, kind of how you got into it, but it's almost like baseball was that substitutionary savior for you. You know, as long as you had those accolades and those accomplishments and people praising you and the interviews on TV and the world championships, it's like that, that idol or that, you know, cover up for your salvation of baseball, it, it does satisfy, but eventually, you know, it doesn't. And so I love that you're hitting on this fact that you're finding your joy, your contentment and in, in who you are in Christ. And so love to transition to baseball real quick. I mean, it's got to be insane. 18 years old, graduated, your number one pick in the draft pick. What was it like making your way to the Mets, playing the Major League Baseball? Yeah, it was really cool. You know, I mean, it was something of, of a dream for me, um, you know, being who I was and everything and always wanting to play baseball and growing up in L.A. and watching baseball and, and realizing that I could play a lot of sports, but baseball was the number one sport, you know, for me. And, you know, I was going to, I was determined that I was going to stay focused uh, and and really play ball. And, you know, I had these coaches in my life who became father figures to me um, that played a great role in my life of teaching me. I just remember in high school with my high school coach and I remember my first year in high school uh, and I came running off the field and I was walking half of the way off the field. And my high school coach came up and thumped me in the head and said, don't you ever walk off this field again 
and I took the uniform off and I threw it in his face and I quit. And I, I just remember from there that I would never do that again. I would never quit again. I learned that lesson. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit because you never know what's on the other side. So that was a valuable lesson for me to learn. You know, that was a lesson for me to learn from somebody else. But I felt like he had crossed over in an area that you trust you was trespassing because my father had violated me by putting his hands on me and I didn't like that. So, and, and, and I spring forward from that and I got into basketball and I just remember in high school, I went to Crenshaw high in LA. And I just remember my basketball coaches, if you got in trouble, you didn't, you didn't practice. You didn't play in the next game. You would run suicides all, all day long in practice while everybody else is practicing. So I got in some trouble. And I remember running suicides and then I remember getting to the game and sitting on the bench. And I remember we didn't play for three quarters, me and another guy. And then I just remember walking off at the end of the, going into the fourth quarter of the, the game. And for the next day, did we pay a price for it? So, you know, there, there was some learning lessons, you know, that was coming along that was real good for me, you know, and I think that's really what prepared me for getting into professional sports and, and the challenge of professional sports. Because I remember I came very close to quitting after playing in Lynchburg, Virginia, you know, when I was playing there, there was a lot of racial things being said to me. And I was a young 19 year old and people were saying a lot of things up in the, up in the stands. And I just remember my coach, Gene Dusan, he kept telling me when I kept running back to the dugout, he was like, do not look up there, you know? And I love him for that. I love him forever for that because he kept me from going up there and doing something that I would regret uh, for a very long time. And then it spring me forward to go, go to Jackson, Mississippi the next year, the double A team. And that's when I became a baseball player. I didn't become a man, Kevin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I became a baseball player yeah. in 19, 1982 in the Texas League. When I won the Texas League MVP, I saw myself develop. And all of a sudden, I really uh, started thriving in, in, in the game of baseball and realized that, you know, hey, I could be pretty good at this. And let me kind of put this on the back of my shoulder and go ahead and play. I, I didn't mind the pressure once I got to that point of getting to the big leagues and, and, and learning. And I think I learned so much because of Jim Fry, who was the hitting coach. I was supposed to be at the ballpark early. See, great athletes will never tell you what pushes them into being a, a greater player, but it's coaches that really pushes you into being a greater player. And that was Jim Fry. He pushed me. I was supposed to be at the ballpark early at two o'clock and I wasn't there. I showed up at three o'clock and Jim Fry was this little short coach. And he just came up to me and said, let me tell you something you turkey. And he looked at me, he was looking at me. He says, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to ever wait for you again. And I'm not going to never tell you. I have to tell you again to be here. If I tell you to be here at a certain time, you need to be here. And I realized that I needed to be at that park. And from every day on from that day, I was at the ballpark early and I rolled on to win the rookie of the year. And I got a chance to call him before he passed away um, not too long ago. And a chance to tell him, thank you. I said, you made me the player that I ended up being in my career because you pushed me in my rookie year to make me understand what it was going to take to be a major league baseball player. So I'm forever That's grateful cool. for those coaches and people that were in my life because they had a great impact on my life. Man, I love that you hit on coaching. You know, I've had these impacts in my life positively and negatively from coaches and in so many ways, as we reflect on the story of God in our lives, I mean, that's what he's kind of done in our lives as we look spiritually to him and emotionally and relationally and sort of the bigger question of what is my purpose on this earth? As we pursue great advice from the coach, like the coach of life, the one who's created us to be able to teach us and to call us out to say, hey, show up, you know, hey, meet with me. And then not only that, but like how God redeems us from some of those broken relationships from past you know people that were part of our lives but then how he allows us to be a coach for someone else you know as he pours into us we pour into other people and just saying to god like god i want to be available to people that i can be somebody like that coach was to you no question no question i mean you want to make yourself available to people that's why i'm like i am today that's why i'm uh, so added all the time and it's christ Christ driven, Jesus driven, you know, there's nothing else, you know, I've experienced everything from a greater standpoint of achieving everything, but I realized more than anything when Christ came in, I realized the symbol of the cross and him paying the price at the cross for me. Uh, he paid the price for it. Whatever, whatever is killing us, Jesus already killed it at the cross. 
you know, there's victory once we understand that, but you have to get to the place of understanding that. I, I think the Bible talks about it, it says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. See, the reason for perishing is because of lack of knowledge. No one, people don't get the knowledge and understanding of the word of who God is, so they don't get the revelation to have the relationship. You're only going to get it when you sacrifice and, and submit yourself to him that you have the full relationship and understanding of who he is. He's greater than anything that you will ever taste, you know, anything that you will ever need. Uh, his power is, is, is displayed, you know, from him um, getting up from the tomb and, and getting up with all power in his hand that he would give to us. He would give to us and we can have the same kind of power he have, you know, he has and everything to be able to do the things that he has called us to do. He created us to do more yeah. than anything. And I think a lot of times people don't recognize that because they don't, we don't see it. We don't see it from a natural standpoint. Well, God is not a natural. He's a supernatural. He's a spirit, you know, and, yeah. and he, he dwells among us. And once you have come to have that relationship with him, uh, then you're able to know who you are and the reason for being here. Man, that's good. That's so good. You know, Daryl, I wanted to ask you about fame. You know, fame is, is a tough thing. You know, not a lot of people uh, from the outside looking in to people who are famous can understand or respect what that individual's going through, whether celebrity, professional athlete, politician, but on the outside, sometimes we sit back in our holier than thou seat and we, we place judgment and we, we gripe or we grumble about them or we say, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't do these things or I would be more grateful. Um, but I, I, I have a sense that it's not easy. And I have a sense that, you know, your pain and how your stories developed, it would, it would be very difficult to not see, this, see the fame and gravitate towards it and to grab hold of it um, as a safety net. And, and so share with me about how you handled fame. And, and then how about your, your uniform? You know, because your fame is tied directly to, you know, baseball. And I just know from playing sports myself and, and being entrenched in that, you know, that idea of being an athlete and, and winning and being on the top, that when I had to hang up my jerseys and, and move on. I mean, it wasn't easy for me. And I have had, you know, had nothing but a high school career. And here you are, uh, one of the world champions um, struggled through taking off that uniform. I mean, what was that moment like for you in that process? Well, I think it happens because you get so consumed with that lifestyle. You, you get consumed with being comfortable of doing whatever you want, however you want, because you have everything from a earthly standpoint and quote unquote, everybody say you can do whatever you want. You can cheat on your wife. It doesn't, you know, that's what everybody does. You know, that's what all athletes run around do. You know, majority, uh, I would say 95%, you know, are, are running around, you know, living a, a secret lifestyle. You know, yeah. and I, I was no different. I was the same guy too, just like everybody else. You know, I had the, had the wounds on the inside and look at me on the outside, you know, because I was very successful at what I was doing. You know, I was playing at the highest level and I was winning championships and I was just, all-star games, you know, and was successful. So, you know, I have, I, I do have it all together. We portrayed that we have it all together, but really on the inside, the whole house is burning up and, you know, you're chasing after everything you chase because you're chasing after lust. You're, you're chasing after, you know, more success, you know, to, to make more money, to, to get more stuff, to really cover up, you know, what's really hurting me and, and never dealing with the uh, the wounds on the inside. And I think that's what happens to so many of us. We never deal with the wounds on the inside. And then when you get to a place where it's all over, you know, when a lot of guys get to a place where it's all over, they're stuck. And why are they stuck? Why? Because they can't take the uniform off. You know, mm. the uniform, mm. you've identified yourself as, you know, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Giants, Daryl Strawberry. But who are you? Who are you really? You know, and that's what happens to so many of us. And that's what happened to me. I was just like most that you see today. They're still stuck. They're still chasing behind, you know, a football game. They're still chasing behind. Look at me, you know, and, you know, posing for pictures and look at me and I'm out here. I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And, you know, that's because I've never taken the uniform off. So what happened, you know, through me, through my process is I had to go uh, through the, the dark valley of living and I had to remove myself from out of all of it. And I remember when I started removing myself from out of it, it was my wife, Tracy, who, who was the biggest help to me to make me uh, really identify myself because she said, she said one day to me, she said, when are you going to ever take that uniform off? Oh, 
I, I, I thought to myself, that's the first time someone has ever said that to me. When are you going to take that uniform off and identify yourself as who God wants you to be, not what you used to do? Wow, and that's powerful. That now, was, she already, was she that, already a believer? She was a believer, yeah. And, and, and we were together, and she just came into my life that God used her to guide me because I, I didn't see. I, I didn't see. What, I wasn't seeing what was wrong, you know, and I realized that I had to take the uniform off to be able to identify myself. And, boy, when I took the uniform off and started identifying myself as a person, that's when I started to come forward. That's when I started to spring forward. That's when I started to separate myself from the worldly things, and that's when I removed myself from that. And I remember when I my teammates – when they used to see me come back, you know, to the reunions and they say, well, where have you been? And you looks like you're talking about he's following Jesus now. And they was like, yeah, well, let's, let's see how long this is going to last. Well, it's been over 20 years now and they're still waiting for me to come back to that. Hey, hey, let's tell them you ain't going back. You ain't going back. <laughs> There's nothing back there, you know, and what they don't understand is I've already been there, done that. But when you get on this side, when you taste and see that the Lord is good, then you know that he really is good, you know, but you got to get on this side um, and participate in it to be able to understand how good he really is. So for mm -hmm. me, that's what it was. I started participating in his will and not my will and started recognizing it's uh, not my not my ways anymore. It's his ways that he wants the guy yeah, he wants to use me and lead me. And when you separate yourself from all of that, then you start understanding that you know, God has a plan for your life. And once I realized that God had a plan for my life, then I realized that I could be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you understand the Bible, start understanding. Now you're starting to understand where you're going and who, who you're going with. You know, you're not going by yourself. It's all these people that were before you that God used. You're, we're just a different generation of people that God is using, but they were just like us. They were people that God used. They were imperfect people who had all kinds of issues and struggles, but God used them too because they they came to the point of saying, okay, you know, I, I will do it. And that's the point you have to really come to as a person to say, okay, I will do it. As hard as it's going to be, you know, it's going to look so, it's going to look so different when you say, okay, because you're going to have to walk away from a lot of things that you used to be around. And that's what happened to me. I walked away from a lot of things and I started saturating myself in the word of God and then I became everything that God wanted me to be. Man, so good. You know, Tracy sounds like an amazing woman. It almost just seems like God just absolutely used her in a beautiful way to show you who God's love was, her patience, her enduring, long-suffering love. Um, sounds like she pay, played a huge part in your life, huh? Well, she was like my mother. So. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, so she was like my mother. She was just a loving person that cared about people. And I saw my mother do the same thing to other people that wasn't in our family. You know, not that uh, that wasn't a part of our family, but she loved them just like she loved the kids. And I saw that. And Tracy was the same way. She loved me and just like my mother did. She loved me in the condition that I was in. I remember I used to go out and use drugs, and she used to bang on doors and pull me out of dope houses. And she would take me back home, and she would bathe me and clean me up and everything. And I would do it again, and she kept doing it and just kept going, being a vicious cycle. And she was just trying to save me in the midst of all that and i just thought wow this is a this is a miracle this is a miracle that that i cried about to god when i was lost and i i had the miracle but i didn't see the miracle and she was there and god was using her but i wasn't responding to it so guess what we had to break up and not know knowing what was going to happen after that and our breaking up led me on a journey to go seek god you know when we finally broke up and I went after seeking God and I ended up, people say, well, how did you, how did you find Jesus? I said, Jesus has never been lost. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I if anything, you were lost and Jesus found you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? People say, well, how do you find him? I say, he's never, Jesus has never been lost. It's, it is us that's lost. And once we go after him and I saw Tracy go after him, like, nothing I ever seen before like I saw her go after him just like my mother did you know and they were it was always spending time in the word and always you know uh, being faithful and always loving other people and always caring for other people and she just kept doing that and she kept doing that throughout the whole process with me and it was attracted to me and I just got I, I wanted that I wanted that what she had I wanted that what my mother had and they played the greatest role in my life you think about it Kevin, 
I say, God, I always tell people, God's got a great sense of humor because I was always lusting after women and he would use two women in my life to straighten me out, my mother and my wife, Tracy. Yeah, hey, the Lord <laughs> does have a sense of humor. He does. That's a great sense of humor. He'll use right what's in front of you to bring about a change to create you know, his plan for your life. He says, okay, if this is what you like, I'll use these two women in your life because he knew I didn't have male figures in my life that could surround me, that cared enough to say, hey, hey, this is the way to go. So he used my mother. She was an example. And in her passing, when she left to go home to be with the Lord, uh, left a stain in me that just was so empty and so broken. And, and and then Tracy came along in my life and he used her, you know, through the trials and tribulations, he used her to be able to help, you know, me through that process to be able to go through the healing process that one must go through to get well. Now, I love how you said that it was a process because I think so many times we want to find healing in our lives and we want to understand that, you know, my work, my life is worth something, um, whether it is my job or whether it's just kind of internally instinctually like do I matter? You know, does my life matter? And as we walk towards God, oftentimes I feel like it is that process. You know, so if if people are listening, no matter what stage of their relationship with God they're in, what is that process and, and how important it is it to commit to that? Kevin, what people don't understand, I'm, I'm different today, of course, but they don't realize that God had to sit me for seven years, not seven days, not seven months, but for seven years. You know, that was the process I had to go through to be disciple. I had lived in a life for so long, so fast, a worldly lifestyle that had everything moving at every target. There was going to be a process of him having to take me through each point to bring about a healing. You know, there's a lot of junk in our trunk that needs to come out, you know, yeah, and it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not. And it's not an overnight miracle. And I think people look for the overnight miracle, God being an overnight miracle. Well, how did it happen? This this didn't happen overnight. I didn't become an evangelist overnight. I didn't even want to preach, you know, but God would bring me to my knees through a seven-year process of training me up and discipling me through the word, sitting in the back of the church, not in the front of the church, being important, dressing up and saying, look at me. You know, like a lot of, lot of people do, a lot of famous people do that. Well, look at me, I'm in church. Well, guess what? Who do you know? Are you there for the show? Or are you coming there for the king? So I finally decided that I needed to be there for the king and, and it wasn't a show anymore. So I sat in the back and I got discipled and I started taking my notepad pad with me. And I started taking my pen and I started writing down things and I started going home and I started studying them and I started to grow because now I was in the process of what God wanted me to go through. And everybody has to go through it. I'm not saying he's going to sit you for seven years, but he sat me for seven years. He needed to sit me for a long period of time to get well on the inside. Not what I look like on the outside, but to what I look like on the inside, I think was more important to God, to God than what I was looking like on the outside. That's good, man. That's powerful. It's just the, the whole idea of a process. So many times we're a fast food mentality, Christian, even where, we just want that quick fix and we want, you know, to get better, to move on. And, and sometimes God is just even, he knows our hearts. So, so I think sometimes God just knows we're not even actually honest with ourselves, you know? Yeah. We want to move on, but God's like, I don't even know if you actually know this, but you don't, you don't want to move on. And, and so <laughs> not, until yet. You, not yet, not yet. That's right. I mean, kind of that first step is really just to be honest with yourself and to, to be willing to be vulnerable, to not be scared about that, to just kind of say, Hey, here I am. Um, but I'm willing, I want to take the next step. Um, and that's important. So we're talking about, you know, Jesus's work in our story now. And, and what would you say like, Jesus does in this process? He rescues, redeems, and restores. Three R's, rescue, redeem, and restore. That's what he does. He rescues you from your sinful ways. He redeems you with his blood and he restores you with his grace. What is grace? Grace is something you don't deserve. He gives it to you anyway. See, people need to understand, you got to get the full knowledge of who God is. God, God don't want you to want uh, bits and pieces of him. There's a full knowledge and understanding of who he is, you know, because he does so many things and he doesn't, well, he doesn't perfect. He's not like us. You know, he doesn't lie like us. You know, he's the perfect one. He's the perfect one. And when he comes into your life, you know, that, that process he wants you to go through. He wants you to be able to come to that place where you learn how to trust him. Maybe I'm that person that's like, Daryl, you don't know me. 
you know, you don't know what's been done to me, or I have a hard time trusting God because I'd like, you know, I'd like to see these things get fixed in my life. And so kind of like you, you know, like having these wounds in your past and, you know, your wife, Tracy's kind of coming to you. She's, she's, you're saying to her, like, you know, God's speaking to her and it's almost like God wants us to strip away any sort of blame that we want to put on anybody in order to not trust him. I had to come to that place where I start, I had to have a relationship, a personal relationship with Christ for myself first. Cause you know what happens in relationships and everything. And we look at each other and we, we can't fix each other. <laughs> we, we try like crazy, you know, whatever issue or struggle that one may have, I cannot fix it. And I think that's what happened to Tracy. Um, she realized that she was always Daryl, 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 Daryl. And God said, I got Daryl. Don't, I don't want to hear another Daryl from you. All right. What about you? Let me, let, let me make you whole. Let me make you holiness and righteousness and see what God did in that process. He made her hold in righteousness. And I saw her holiness and righteousness. Now I wanted what she had because it was attractive. It wasn't because the, the shortcoming of who I was, was my own personal shortcoming because I had never seen anyone else, um, Love God the way you need to love God. And I saw her love God the way she needed to love before it, where a man to love God. And that made me want to have the same relationship like that. But then guess what? I had to go after God like she had to go after. I had to spend time with him. I had to commit to him. You know, the beginning of Adam and Eve, yes, that, that opened the door for all of us to be able to fall short. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus brings grace for everybody. The grace is there. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And your weakness when you're weak, his strength is made perfect when you learn to lean on him. And we have to learn to lean on him. We can't lean on the flesh, Kevin. And I think that's what happens to so many people. They dive into the fleshly way of trying to fix things. And you can't because the flesh is crazy. And it will say crazy things. It will do some crazy things. It will say some crazy things. And I think that's why it's so important that we stay under the we stay under the spiritual realm of God in your walk with God because it covers you, it keeps the enemy from coming in and making you do crazy things and say crazy things. Because it, it, what did Jesus say in John 10? He said, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. So what is he talking about in an abundant life? He's not talking about stuff. He's talking about, I want to give you peace. I want to give you joy. I want to give you wisdom. I want to give you knowledge. I want to give you power that's far greater than you can ever understand. And if you stay under that covenant of God like that, then that's what makes the two of you one. And that's where you become on the same page. You can just look, I can just look at my wife from across the room and know, you know, we're on the same page wherever we are and everything. And we just give each other a smile because we know who we are in Christ. We know that we're not going to get lost. We're not going to get separated. We know nothing is going to deceive us from the call of God upon our life. Yes, man. The call of God on your life. So important. So I'd love to point people towards your guys' ministry, findingyourway.com, which comes from your book, your memoir, Finding My Way, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I love that you're like, hey, I found my way. Yeah. Now you, you find your way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, findingyourway.com, so many good resources on there, especially the, the series that you guys actually offer people a series that helps them through the process. You're like, look, we know it's a process. So God's get, allowed us to create something for you that'll be a process. So I would encourage everyone to get a link below. We'll put it in the description here and pin it to the comments, but uh, I would encourage anybody listening to make sure they check that out. Yeah. The other day, a few weeks ago, we were talking on the phone and we just were having this conversation about our personal walks with Jesus. And I love how you hit on worship and just touch on that for a moment of why, why it's so important and how worship with you and the Lord personally uh, helps so much in your relationship with the Lord. I love that. I love the entry in and, and, and turn the worship on and just let the music play because it's, it's flowing through the house. And, and, and the presence of the of the Lord just shows up and he shows up all over you and he's let you know that I got you. I'm with you, you know, yeah. and, Amen, and then, yeah. And then when you want to take the time out of your devotion, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take some time away from everybody or you gotta turn off the television. You gotta turn off the cell phone and you gotta open the book and you gotta get in there and you gotta read and let God speak to you. Because God does speak when you decide to remove yourself, but you have to be able to remove yourself. You have to remove whatever, all these things you're thinking about or whatever you're thinking about, and you have to allow him to speak into your life and, and, and the Holy Spirit to encourage you 
about the goodness of God and about the goodness of his word and about the goodness of his work that he's calling for, calling you to do. He's calling all of us to do his great work. It's just a matter of am I listening to hear Wait, 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 about. wait. No, no. God only calls some people, Daryl. He <laughs> only calls people like you, you know, who have this <laughs> mega platform. He only calls certain people, Daryl, to be pastors and teachers and evangelists, right? I mean, didn't I read that he's correctly in God's all. word? No, he's calling us all. You know, I think sometimes... I think sometimes of us, some of us get ahead of ourselves and we want to make ourselves important. One thing I learned about the gospel, the gospel is important, not us. And once we keep the gospel important, the gospel will do what the gospel is supposed to do. And that's why it's called the good news. You know, the good news, what does it do? It changes people's hearts. You know, it's not us. It's not a man. It's not a one who sounds good or who preaches good, preaches with big words. That doesn't mean nothing to the enemy. The enemy knows when one is, is really allowing God to be God over his life. And he never want to take the platform and say, this is my platform. This is not my platform. This is God's platform. And I'm going to use it to glorify him. Amen. And that's my heart too. That's the heart of this podcast, that we would all find our identity in him, our contentment and satisfaction in Christ alone, not in chasing anything like a career or the next high, or even a hobby or even great things like family, but that we would have our full, like at our core identity found in our relationship with God. You made it clear with Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon there, like, like there's nothing there under the sun that is ever going to satisfy us. <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, and to anyone that's listening, listen, I've been there to the top and there's nothing up there at the top. It's always a, a hole that the enemy sets up for you because he know that eventually you're going to fall through the hole because if you're not born again and you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows he has you. I don't care how successful you may look from an earthly standpoint. He knows that you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. See, we need to stop playing this game when somebody dies and everybody always say, rest in peace, I see you in heaven. No, if you're not born again, just like in John 3, we told Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. I just said, it comes out of the book. You know, it's real life. You know, we need to get back to real life. And I think this is why Christians are fading away because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit speaking into their life and they're operating from their fleshly standpoint and the enemy's deceiving them, making them believe that everybody's getting into heaven. You better open this Bible. This book been here forever. Heaven and earth gonna pass away, but not my word. Hey, man, dude. Well, hey, that's a good, that's a good word to uh, wrap up your story part, man. Uh, Listen, I hope anybody who's listening will jump in the comments and uh, interact down below. I can tell you, I, we prayed that the Lord would anoint our conversation. And I, I sense his spirit and presence just between us, even though there's a screen and we've got, you know, some sort of cyberspace communication happening. The Holy Spirit is <laughs> present with you and with me and with the listeners. And, and we, man, I, we just ask that God be glorified in the conversation and in all of our lives, that what he's done in your life, it causes us to wake up for ourselves and say, is the work that I see God doing and has done in, in Daryl's life, is that the same work that he's doing in me that wants to do into me? And would I be willing to actually believe that it's equally important that I know my story and share it like Daryl is? Amen. So, I mean, my story That's is it. important. My story is That's very it. important. Everybody's story is important. Exactly. But I, it God, took me a long God, time God. to get to that point. Yeah, and, and it took me a long time to get to this point, too, you know, because everybody was, well, the baseball, the baseball, baseball. Yeah. And Jesus was saying, no, the kingdom, the kingdom, kingdom. You know, when are you going to talk about the kingdom? When are you going to not talk about baseball anymore? And our story is about the kingdom of God. Our story is about Jesus' great love for us when we were broken and the only broken, you know, with all the broken pieces, he's the only one that could put them back together. And that's for everybody. That's not Amen. just for one person. That's for every soul that is listening that he wants to put the broken pieces of your story. Because we all have a story. We Amen. all come from somewhere. Like I said, said before earlier, I said the Bible didn't say some of us, Kevin, will fall short. He said we all will fall short of the glory of God. And we yeah. all have fallen short. So when we fall short, knowing that we have fallen short, and he wants to take you, and he wants to lift you up, and he wants to put, it, put you in a place for him, not for you, but for him. Dude, that's it. So is there a source of wisdom that you would say sort of is your guiding post for your life? I call it fat, F-A-T. Not that you're fat. If you're faithful, accountable, and teachable, 
if you're faithful, accountable, and teachable, then God can use you mightily for his work. Fat, F-A-T. Hey. Faithful, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose your mind. You're gonna lose your mind on this. My youth pastor in high school had me and my brother go through the exact same thing. Fat man becoming fat man, which does sound kind of crazy, but fat actually stood for us back in high school in 1998 or whatever. Was faithful, available, teachable. Yes. Yeah. However you want to use it, it's like faithful, available, faithful, accountable, teachable. Fat. Yeah. You have to. You have to come to that place in your life. If you can come to that place in your life you will receive the goods from the Lord because he will give them to you because he knows you're faithful to him. You're available, accountable to him and you're teachable. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up, but uh, you might ask you a couple short questions from some of the people on sure. social media interested in it and on a couple of things. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, hey, first question is coming in from my good friend, Sean Murray's pro wakeboarder. Just had him on the podcast last week. His question is actually a story about his uncle. His uncle David was a, a reporter. Uh, professional baseball and he was at a game where you were playing and I think he was heckling you I'm sure you got a lot of that over the years but he was in like one of the first few rows right there by the dugout and all of a sudden after he's heckling you for a while he gets hit in the back of the head his name was David and uh, he gets knocked out <laughs> some guy wakes him up and he's knocked out he's down in the stadium and by the time he comes to a guy behind him turns around and says dude you just got knocked out by Daryl Strawberry's mom the story goes, your mom slung and hit him in the back of the head with her purse. At the game? At the game. Knocked, knocked this really? dude out. Knocked him out cold. <laughs> oh, mom. I'm telling you, she was a fighter, huh? Yeah, my mother, she was, she was great. She was a great, great lady. She raised five of us by herself. And that was just incredible. I mean, she went through yeah. so much with my father and, and to be able to raise five kids. And, and she raised us, right? You know, the thing about it, we, we made the choice to be uh, live a heathen lifestyle and, and do the things that we wanted to do because she was a Christian woman and we saw her live a Christ life. Amen, dude. All right. So another question coming in from Knoxville, Tennessee. This is Robert. What Bible verse did you cling to in your hardest times? I think John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Everybody want to go through the Father, but they want to go. They don't want to go through Jesus. And he's telling us in that in that scripture that he is the way, you know, he is the way to everything, everything that you need, every answer that you need, he is the gateway to it. And I think if we can put our focus on him, if people can understand that Jesus came here for all of us, not just some of us, you know, when you realize that he came here for all of us and he's the gateway to the victory over the enemy, I'm a living witness. I'm a, I, I am a living witness that he is the victory over the enemy because he is the way. All right. That's good. Hey, so Julie out of Italy says, and she's unashamedly your biggest fan. She said, if you ever had not gone through the road of drugs and alcohol, where do you think Daryl Strawberry would end up in the record books in baseball? Well, you know what? I, I never think about that, Julie, and I appreciate that. I never think about the record books because I always think about the fact that if I had not went down some of those roads, I would have made more money. I would have been more successful at playing Major League Baseball. But I wouldn't be sitting here today because I wouldn't have the relationship with Jesus like I have. Um, I'm more thrilled about the fact that uh, uh, the, that I went through the struggles uh, to be able to look up and, and understand the symbol of the cross. And when you understand the symbol of the cross, it's, it's so much great healing at the symbol of the cross than having a trophy and having more numbers and saying, look at me and look at me being in the Hall of Fame. And I'd rather be in the Hall of Faith than the Hall of Fame. Come on now. You are, <laughs> hey, you are in the Mets Hall of Fame. So congrats on that. <laughs> yeah, one. I am in the Mets. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Here's another question. You just signed a multi-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think you just become a believer around this time. Signed a, I think you signed a multi-year contract, right? So... I think you'd given your life to the Lord right about that time. Was it hard to go back into baseball? It was very difficult. Um, I was persecuted because of the fact that I accepted Christ and then went into the went playing for the Dodgers in my pre-agent year in 1991. And I was persecuted by the media that I was too soft and, you know, I wasn't the same guy anymore. I didn't have the fire in me and everything. And, and I think what really happened was not that I was too soft or anything. I think what happened was is I missed the discipleship. Let me tell you, people out there if you do not get disciple you can accept christ every day of your life but if you do not get disciple 
you will go back to the familiar or who you are. And I think that happened to me. Uh, that happened to a lot of other people that don't get disciples. So I would encourage you, and when you do accept Christ, make sure you get into um, some kind of Bible study group uh, and, and make sure you get a foundation disciple and you have something to fight with because the enemy's coming. I don't care who you are. You can think you have it all together, but he is coming and that's his job. And he did the same thing to me. He knew I did not have a discipleship underneath me. So guess what? I went back to the familiar. After I ran into the wall, dislocated my shoulder, I went back to drinking and womanizing before I knew it. I was out for the next 14, 15 years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. This guy who asked this question might have been a Dodgers fan. Kind of <laughs> wishing, wishing they would have got those uh, two more uh, world championships that you brought to the Yankees. No question about it. I know because it's home, you know, and I love home. You know, home is home. You can't take that away from me. And, um, you know, I wish it would have turned out to be uh, much better for me in L.A. All right. This next question is coming in for Danish pastor on Instagram. This is Dustin. He said, who would be your spiritual hero besides Jesus? <laughs> who's my spiritual hero? That's a good one, you know. I I I think it's my mom and and my wife, you know, those two uh, set the table pretty high for me, and and to be able to see them, you know, overcome, you know, what my mother mother had to overcome, and then to see my wife what she had to overcome, and to see her never go back, to see her get out of addiction and go straight to Jesus, and she never relapsed and she never went back, and for me, I just kept relapsing and relapsing and going back and wondering why. And, but I realized that she had a foundation and she made a commitment and she allowed herself to go through that process. So hopefully more people allow themselves to get a foundation and go through the process to be healed and get well. All right, man. Well, I think we'll just wrap here, man. I just want to say thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. Love you like a brother. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. And I do love you as a brother because we are brothers in Christ and that's what's important. Let's keep spreading the good news so people can get well. All right, guys, that wraps this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the conversation with Daryl and I. God has done so much in his life, but I hope we all remember that he's doing things in our lives that are equally great, equally wonderful, and equally powerful. We'd be willing to share that. Speaking of sharing, would you be willing to share this episode with a friend? I know it would help us so much with the YouTube algorithms, all those other things that keep stuff from spreading around. So do me a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and please share this on your Facebook, post it on a story on Instagram, send a letter to somebody whatever you have to do. And remember this, your story matters more than you know.